you lose Herb Smith, you lose about 25% of your offense. That's really tough. It looked like the tight end position was actually going to be a big factor yeah, like stronger, inside stronger inside position. the 10 again, yeah. like it was all those years with Kyle Rudolph here. They are going to, I think, put a really heavy emphasis on the run because without Irv Smith and without, you know, do we know, like D.D. D. D. Westbrook, how is that going to pan out with the three receiver sets? I mean, you still have two really good receivers. I mean, excellent, elite receivers and Justin Jefferson and yep. Adam Thielen. Yeah. And, that, and they're going to get theirs this year. I really think that. Just I, I just have some questions. Yo, yo, welcome to another edition of Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network alongside my guy Chris Corso and our guest of the evening, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And Courtney, um, we've been talking off camera a little well, off mic a little bit. Um, what a week. Mm-hmm. Whether it was from trades to cuts to signings to re-signings to Rick coming out on the field saying, hey, we got to do this over again to just – so much going on over 800 cuts in the NFL in the past four or five days your thoughts on this Vikings roster and everything that you have seen I know we only got 45 minutes but if if this answer needs to take an hour go for it yeah I mean it was wild on Tuesday because you know like when the 53 is set initially it's never going to stay that way especially that first two well now it's a Tuesday of cuts and then you know, there's so much more time this year between when the roster is cut down to 53 and the time that kickoff happens. What is that, like 12, 13 days later, technically? So there was a lot of roster gamesmanship around the NFL. Like every team was doing it, finding loopholes to release players temporarily, kind of with a hand, like floating them effectively. And like a handshake agreement that, okay, we're going to sign you back here. We just need to cut you right now. Yep so we can get somebody else onto the roster. And I think just because we don't have that extra week, or we do have that extra week, we don't have um, the limited time between when cuts happen and yeah. you know how quickly the waiver claims, waivers and yep. claims and that process usually happens. Compared to last now year. There's, oh. Yeah, I mean, did them do it, the NFL doing away with the fourth preseason game made way for this to happen. So it's been a lot to manage just with, you know, all of a sudden, they're down to one specialist for like <laughs> ten minutes, and then they sign Britton Colquitt back, and because they had to do it in order to get Chris Herndon onto the roster officially and get your IR guys moved, which was um, Chasena, obviously Irv Smith, um, and Kane Wangwu yep. all moved like three oh one Central Time. So they had, like, it was just really chaotic. Like very. it felt very <laughs> the roster cut down this year, and like we've had roster cut downs. It's fluid, Courtney. It is. I was just about to say it that. is very fluid. fluid. Now everybody <laughs> who use that word is right, but like in other years, it's been you know. Teddy starting on pop was that going to happen in 2017? And then you know Terrence Newman's out of nowhere retirement in 2018, yep, and B Rob right. getting cut at the last minute, and then Treadwell getting cut in 2019, and Sloter, and then just but like we've dealt with like crazy things Boone that have happened. Getting cut, yeah, that was like a that's big one. <laughs> there's a bit, lot of them, and then but like this year it was just. It wasn't even just like crazy cuts. Like I think that everybody yeah. that was released was you'd expect yeah. at least the ones who are like not brought back. But it's just weird. It's seeing just a lot it. of yeah. It's a lot of like moving parts that are hard to keep track of with all the like it's a moving target. Like just yeah. with all the the roster changes and the rules and all of that. But you know it really doesn't matter until four o'clock, four o one Eastern time, the week of game week, exactly. week of week one. So that's when the contracts and like roster bonuses and just like all that stuff goes into effect. So yep. 
Yeah, I, I, even in the next couple of days, uh, maybe anticipate I mean, some changes. Who I would knows? say it doesn't really matter until 1030 a.m. Yeah, in Cincinnati. Till inactives mm -hmm. uh, are, exactly. yeah. are put so, out on Vikings.com. So everything <laughs> is fluid. But Courtney, you were one of the first people to you know, pursue the report, knowing that Everson Griffin was set to come back yeah. with the Vikings roster. So take us through that process of where you kind of went with that story. And uh, you were all over it before a lot of the beat reporters here. And obviously now number 97 is yeah. back. With it was the Vikings. weird seeing it. It was a little 58. jarring seeing <laughs> Michael Pierce wearing 58. That's such a that's a big man number. I totally get that. But it's such an awkward number. So, I mean, kudos to Michael Pierce for just giving that Stand up for up free. Uh, granted, Everson did have to buy out that inventory. I don't know how much there was mm. of a Michael Pierce inventory. It'd be a lot different mm. than like someone like Dalvin Cook who having to like buy out your yeah. inventory of a player like that whose jersey is everywhere. But he says he's changing his jersey next year, right? I think yeah, he can wait until next season to do it. It's just yeah. it would cost millions to do it this year. Yeah. So he wore he's, the single digit in college. He wore four in college. Exactly. And yeah, so he's he's smart financially to not do it. I think it's that's a lot of money. Um but no, nonetheless with Everson, you don't you don't bring him back, go through all that, you know, like last week, get him, you know. I, I think this is a matter of, like, they certainly want him, but, like, to pay him for the entire season. Exactly. Like, it's one of those, it's a loophole thing. So, get him, you know, they needed to make some moves to get guys onto IR. Yep. So, with Griffin, they were able to... You know, there was a handshake agreement that, like, okay, we're going to bring you back. Like, yep, they, you wouldn't go through all that trouble, and it's not like, oh, they exposed him with four plays in Kansas City in the preseason Big finale. Sack in, in sack. Kansas City? I mean, yeah, I guess somebody really could have signed him yesterday <laughs> before they brought him back if they really yeah. wanted to. But like, you heard his comments. Like, he wanted he to be here. Like, he. You know, he went through the process of yep. learning that the grass isn't always greener in, yep. in a situation in, you know, Dallas and then going to Detroit, and now he's back here. So I think that. That was um, it. Was a little jarring at mm. first seeing it. Like Everson Griffin has been cut because, like, I got the you know I saw the wire right when that came out. I was like, wait a second, and I saw the long snapper was cut, and you know, same thing with um, Colquitt. Colquitt. Oh yeah. no, Colquitt was not initially. I'm thinking of um, Amir Abdullah on Tuesday. So yeah. there were a lot of like veterans with four years of service who were not subject to waivers. You're like, wow. Like, is anybody going to clean like pick them up and? Yep. You know, I think that there's there are those agreements that happen between the front office and the agents of those players where they say, okay, you are going to be back here. We just have to like it's a procedural thing. That was exactly. all it boiled down to is a right. procedural thing with Griffin and the others. So you said every almost everybody's name, but one guy that I really want to talk about, Sean Mannion. He's back. Mm -hmm. So of course, Kellen Mond. He's a third round draft pick. He's your guy of the future. But with the guy and Sean Mannion back. What does that do to QB number two, in your opinion? It's interesting because, you know, just because Jake Browning was released doesn't mean that Kellen Mond is automatically your number two QB quarterback. Two, yep. There's just, that's just, yep. that would be a really big jump to make, having seen him in such limited preseason action and knowing just how far he has to go before you'd really be comfortable having him back Kirk Cousins up. But this is going to get interesting because it's smart. Mannion's now on the practice squad, and I asked him about this at practice earlier, just how bizarre that is where you could technically be QB2 but on the practice squad because they can elevate you a maximum of two times oh. and keep you on the practice squad. If they were to do it any more than that, they, they would obviously have to That's add it. you to the exactly. active roster. Yep. But. I get it's 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 again procedural like you do not people you know there's some people saying well Kellen Mond was you know so so not good during the preseason yep. you know but you can't 
someone's going to claim him. Like if you if you cut him, quick, someone's, yep, he's quick. like you know it's a third round pick, yeah. so you have no choice but to keep him on the active roster. But I don't think they go into the season thinking that he truly is number two. Like I mean, the reason you have Sean Mannion because he's vaccinated clearly because yep. he came got was able to come here so easily, like so quickly. Because we at don't five thirty in the morning exactly. or whatever he's, it was you know, a already, red eye. already out at practice. So yeah. like that gives you a benefit. His, he probably had his backpack last week. I mean he's probably yeah had a go bag just knowing like <laughs> okay I could get cut. I made the initial fifty three but I wasn't going to stick like all those things because um, he had a couple workouts. I think he was in with the Giants this summer. Uh, obviously he signs in Seattle. So like you know. Of being a viable backup is a very um, it's a very sought after position, and so clearly they needed one here, and they got one. He just happens to be on the practice squad, so I'm going to be really curious to see how they manage this week one. Because the good thing with Kirk Cousins is no matter what the offensive line looks like, you know, throughout his career he's really durable, stayed healthy, so he stays healthy. So it's, I don't think you'd be worried about anything like that happening because if like he got hurt in a game and Mannion or and Mannion was still on the practice squad and you were just keeping Kellen Mond as your number two, but like not truly anticipating him playing unless there was an emergency situation in the game, you're probably losing that game anyways, right? Like if you yep. know, depending upon what yeah. happens when if Kirk were to get hurt, when it would happen. But I think this is a situation. Just knowing what the the makeup of the quarterback room is here and the vaccination status of certain players, that it's a smart move to have Sean Mannion. A safety net, pretty much. Okay, so so let's say three quarterbacks on the roster, Cincinnati game. Mm -hmm. Kirk's shoe goes off. Well, his shoe uh, falls off his foot. He gets tackled out of bounds. We have no timeouts. Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion are both on the bench. Who goes in? Well, I mean, you'd have what is? Uh, did they use one of their a- game day activations for yeah. off the practice squad? Then I think it's Sean Mannion. Yeah. I wow. really do. But that's like, a, that's a, that's would a you, bold it's statement. Like you, there. you have to figure out like, would you blow it effectively? Yeah. Um, you know, you, Risk it you all. only yeah, you only have two activations before you have to make him put him on the active roster. Now again, things are fluid. Maybe they do want to carry three quarterbacks on the active fluid, roster. That's the word right there. At, at some point, like so. <laughs> And then maybe they were to cut like I don't know where are they heavy right now linebacker linebacker um, receiver receiver yeah. like they they might figure out hey it is actually necessary for us to keep him on the active roster because we're just not comfortable with who what the like in game backup situation would be like if Sean Mannion were to be on the practice squad yep. but no I mean it's again another loophole he makes. Like fourteen thousand, I think, a week to mm. be on the practice squad. I mean, it's I'd pretty lucrative. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good situation, I think, for him. Um, I, I, yeah, I looked up the numbers earlier, and I think he's in um, a really sought-after spot. Yeah. So wow. the challenges of it here is you have those two two times you can do it um, before you need to change his contract from practice squad, which is the fourteen thousand a week, yep. um, to the fifty-three man roster. So the two the two time allowance means he'll get a base salary for that game that he's up the two times he's beep. So I mean, he's not going to complain. You know, good for Sean Mannion. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm, a great it's a great spot to be in. I'm taking a red eye from from Portland, Oregon, <laughs> for fourteen grand yeah, a week. I that's mean, for sure. Easily, <laughs> easily. And he's somebody too, like who challenges Kirk in the position room where, you know, I know he, we've seen him play in like one game. I think it was, it was last year we saw mm-hmm. him play like one time and, um, or not even last year. I think it was 2019, the end of the season against the Chicago, Chicago Bears. Yeah, yep. like where they didn't home. play any of yep. the starters. So yep. we've seen him play yeah. one time. I think he's played a couple games here and there throughout his career. He's been in the league seven years. He's really smart. Like, you know, physical tools are one thing. And I know that Clint Kubiak was, you know, 
yeah. praising his arm strength and you know big physical guy, but yeah. like the what he what he does to prepare a starter yeah. for week one that's something you're not getting from a rookie quarterback nope. no matter how bright your rookie quarterback is there's an ego dynamic there's a power dynamic it's probably not going to yes. be that where you have a vested veteran like Kirk Cousins all these years in the league having someone like it's like Sean Mannion who has been in the room with him for the last two years be the trusted eyes and ears of like, well, what did we see here? Let's go through this. Um, how do I get myself the most ready for week one? That's coming from your veteran backup versus yes. a rookie who's still learning. Yeah. Like, a lot so of responsibility yeah, for QB, lot. too. Mm-hmm. A lot of responsibility. And it's always Great good job to, if you can stand the pace. It's really. always good to have a veteran in that room as well, which as a backup. Yeah, absolutely. Other than, other I mean, than Kellen Mond. I mean, it's, it's not – you don't see many – well, you do see a lot of rookie QB twos, but mm-hmm. you always hear the story of, hey, those guys, it's still hard for them to grasp the plays. Sure. Um, I was, I, f- I forgot who I was listening to. It might have been Colin Coward. And uh, somebody, Albert Breer, jump, jumped on Colin Coward's show and basically said, um, Justin Fields, who was talking about the Bears, and he said the difference between Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, a.k.a. a rookie quarterback and a veteran backup quarterback, is when they get the play from the coach – they're actually just repeating the play. Mm-hmm. Hey, stack right, bunch or a bunch right, 42 zone, X post, Y drag. Instead of when Andy Dalton comes to the huddle, he's looking at the X. Hey, X drag, 42, bunch you, right. You need to know what everybody yeah, else is doing. Exactly. And you're, that's the whole term of like they're swimming right. when they first get in. And that's something that, you know – that's why there's flexibility for veteran players right. being able to like make their changes at the line, um, ch- you know, checking in and out of different plays. And I think for a veteran court backup, like that's what Kirk Cousins needs right now at this point of his career to get for ready sure. for games, where you know they're bringing Kellen along at his pace, but Kirk's got to be ready to go right now. Absolutely, I can break down Sean Mannion for about 40 minutes with you guys. That's for sure. Man, he's great. I don't no, know. I mean, we, we re- every time he talks, I think he spoke for like 10, 12 minutes today. Like he's just. He's so smart, and yeah. like he's one of so, like the yeah. You know, he's valued in that room for sure. No, for I mean sure. he's he's got a really big presence here, and I think that they're really happy to have him back. Well, Courtney, you mentioned a lot of the players that were put on the IR, but three players who weren't put on the IR are the first round draft pick and Christian Darisaw, D.D. Westbrook, veteran wide receiver, and of course Anthony Barr, who we don't know is going to be ready for week one. So, what do you kind of think the statuses are are of all those three guys, and how do you see them kind of fitting in depending on? What what they're going through. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good wise. sign that you didn't see those three put on IR yep. because that would mean they'd have to miss a minimum of the first three games yep. before they would be designated to return. So for Darisaw, he's been like the biggest question mark because we have not seen him practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's doing some stuff in the weight room, like we're seeing him on the bike a lot. It's it's all at least like pointing to when, we, when he had that second procedure done yep. earlier in August – that it was going to take some time. No one anticipated he'd be ready for week one. But what does that mean about like week two, week three? Like, and I'm still, I still throw a little caution out because you can't. Are you really going to anticipate he's going to unseat Rashad Hill right away? Like, it's tough to or, throw a rookie even right in go there. against a JJ Watt. Exactly. Yeah. Like against Arizona, no way. Like I, I think it's going to be a couple weeks, but. They want to be able to practice with him right, right away. Like that's the thing where it's like you don't want to have like these three weeks where he can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So like even if in your mind he wouldn't be ready to like let's say just throw out a when the bye is week seven, week six, week seven, week seven. Um, so let's yeah. say week eight, like right after the bye. 
if you could start practicing with him, getting him in, let's say he returns to practice two weeks from now, you'd at least have like a month to be like, okay, can he be ready to go when we need him to go? and not lose that valuable practice time. I think that's a really important aspect of that. And it's a good sign because there's been so many, you know, that just that, just, that sucks if you have your first-round draft pick and you expect him to be yeah. your franchise, potential franchise left tackle taking over for somebody you let walk in free agency right. and he can't go. That's a huge blow. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a good sign that he's – Yes, Not a, on IR. A great sign. And I was reading the other day, I mean, he's one of, I think, four or five first-rounders that haven't practiced a single snap this this offseason. I think it's Elijah Vera Tucker, mm-hmm. uh, Darisaw, well, Kyle Pitts. He, he didn't play um, any of the preseason games. They're treating him like Matt Ryan. So, yeah, clearly, he's going to be special. So, I think there there's a, a reason for concern. But at mm-hmm. the same time, when, when you got a guy as – we have a guy in a position as delicate as the left tackle position. You say, hey, take your time. But I think to that same point, I think his first game should be a a game where they don't have a premier defensive end. So maybe a – Well, you're not going to run into too many teams that are lacking that in the NFL. But so think, not these we, days. Yeah, not these days. But, I mean – well, I'm not going to say names. But, like, there are, there are a, a few teams early on There's where you're not – There's ways that you can, like, try to ease him in and be like, all right, what's, pick your spot. What's the right. best spot to get him – you know, to throw him into the fire. I mean, yep. you think about Rashad Hill was dealing was playing right tackle in mm-hmm. 2018 and was dealing with an injury when Brian O'Neill went in week six. So that's six weeks of practice, six weeks of O'Neill going in and out of the lineup when he needs when they needed him before he started at right tackle and never gave that job back. So like is there a window that you see that working out the best for someone like Christian Darisaw? That's what you're weighing because you know, what Mike Zimmer said early in, in training camp before practices even started was that they're going to be very, very careful with mm-hmm. him because it's a groin injury. Like, you're in pass sets all the time. Like, you're using you're your lower body. You're all, all day. It's, it's, like, literally, like, it's so easy probably to re-aggravate that or, like, hurt yourself if that's the injury and the surgery, you know, the core surgery that he's dealing with. So I think they've, you know, it's probably very disappointing for that he hasn't been on the field because we saw him a little bit in the spring. He was with the twos. Um, and, you know, there was the promise that, like, okay, he will be ready. But obviously different, you know, plans change. So yeah. being able to get him out there at some point the season is going to be necessary, though. Like, you have to see your first-round pick play, which I think, you know, Clint Kubiak said he's doing every – he was pleased with just, like, his effort, like, everything but like not but like not being on the practice field like he's doing everything he can do right now is what Kubiak said so I think you got to take that for you know for what it's worth that they're they're trying he's trying like you know just the circumstances your body healing to the point where you're going to where the coaches are going to be comfortable putting you out there knowing that you're not going to risk re-injury because then it's just you know that's a lost season at that point Yeah. yeah and that's a that's where they that's like the worst possible scenario Looking at the wide receiver three battle, I mentioned D.D. Westbrook mm-hmm. not being um, on the IR. Obviously, he's been practicing as of late, too, but yeah. we haven't seen him out there in a game, he's game quick. reps. Yeah, I had heard he was like close to going on Friday, or the last Friday, the Kansas City game, like that he could have. So that's good. Like, you know, I think with D.D., it's not just wide receiver three, which is going to be really important for them this year because, you know, losing. No Irv Smith. No Irv Smith. And, you know, with Mike Zimmer saying, well, we might go three wide more, I've heard that before with this offense, but they haven't done it because they haven't had the personnel 
to deploy 11 personnel. Like they don't have the, they never, they have not in previous years had somebody carve out a role for himself as the third wide receiver who's capable of doing it more than just a Chad Beebe role or what we've seen from, you know, guys in the past where it's a couple snaps here and there. It's a third down situation, short yardage, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so I'll believe it when I see it. I will, if they can actually do it, but there's a reason even hurt that they signed D.D. Westbrook. He was the best slot available at the time, even though he was still dealing with the ACL injury, and he's probably your starting punt returner. Like, we need to remember, like, that was a big part of his job in Jacksonville, and it's part part of the reason why they brought him in here. And, you know, when when Mike Zimmer said that they – he was right on the timeline that they had for him. Like you wouldn't sign a player like that at the time that you did right before training camp. If you didn't anticipate that sooner rather than later. And by later, I mean like losing him for like, you know, not until the second half of the season, yeah, like yeah. You, you would anticipate he'll be back sooner. And yeah. again, him not starting on IR is a good sign. So I think it's something where if, you know, they're going to have to get creative in making up for the loss of Irv Smith. They have to because mm-hmm. he was going to have such a good year. Like, everything pointed to it. You saw how good he looked in at training. Yeah. Like, yeah. training I mean, camp. He, he was amazing. the best player at mm-hmm. training camp every single day. This Consistently, this, yeah. And yeah. I think it's really tough when you have to stomach that he's gone for the season. Like, I mean, they've been preparing for him to be gone for the season. Yeah, the timetable's four to five months, so great. If you make the playoffs, maybe he comes back. But I think that they've taken the wise approach here that prepare for him to be gone and you're going to have to adjust schematically because I don't, I just don't think whoever you bring, like, no matter who you bring in, like, Irv Smith, like, the difference, between, the difference yeah. between a fourth round tight end in Chris yep. Herndon yep. and then the second round promise yeah. that you had with Irv Smith. Like, they saw this for a couple of years now. He just didn't have that opportunity because Kyle Rudolph was ahead of him. So it's a really tough blow. But, you know, kind of circling back to D.D. Westbrook, can they go three wide more? Sure, because I think they finally have competent personnel to be able to do that. You put D.D. in the slot, you have the other two outside, and it gives you another layer to the ele- to another element to the offense, another threat over the middle of the field, because that's what you're going to miss in Irv Smith. What does that do to Tyler Conklin's role? You know, he's a really good blocker on this offense and I I would like to see them utilize him more maybe he has a breakout season now with Irv out and can actually add another element in the passing game from the tight end position that they were hoping to get from Irv Smith and maybe that goes to Tyler Conklin I mean again we do it we do do have to see Chris Herndon but like I'm just going off of kind of what we know from him in the past Conklin was great in the past uh, what was it the last last four games of the season I I think Kyle went to IR right last year he he has a foot injury it was three or four touchdowns yeah I think it was between those guys it was five touchdowns in the last four yeah. games. Yeah, Irv had four, and I think Conklin had one. Had one. Was three, three and two. two. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was Irv, like, three touchdowns on 20 yeah. targets, which, when you think about, like, just what that is, yeah. like, yeah, there's a lot of promise. And then, yeah, Conklin Conk had a really had good Buccaneers season. Buccaneers and Bears, Bears last year. yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see. I mean, you know that Conklin and Irv, they had those two tight ends here because they complement each other. Mm-hmm. So, clearly, they see something of some sense in – uh, Chris Herndon, he's not the, the the best route runner that you're going to find, mm-hmm. but he's 
possession guy. He can get up and down the field. He can get in and out of breaks. That's what Ersman Jr. can do. Ersman Jr. was a little bit better than, than Chris, like you said. But you, you got to think this offense is going to still keep their identity of trying to run the ball. Yeah, absolutely. They and wouldn't they wouldn't change that for, for anything. 33 and, is yeah. – it yeah. doesn't, I mean, doesn't matter. A, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, he's yeah, arguably sure. the best back in the league. But I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball because not many surprise moves mm-hmm. on that side of the ball other than Ev – other than Griff, like we talked about earlier, but are, are you like where are you like with this defense? I think I mean still the identity of this team. Like I think the kind of nerve wracking part if you're coaching staff, if you're a fan of this team, is that okay? There was so much made about how good the offense was last year and carrying the weight of this defense. Well, now this defense appears, at least with its starters, yep. uh, to be capable of getting back to where it was a couple years ago. But the offense is a big question mark. So like. Defense is still the identity of this team. They have to be very thankful that they signed the starters that they did because the depth players that they have are just not cut out to play in the NFL, like in NFL games, more than just a couple snaps here and there. And there's a reason. Look at cornerback. There's a reason Mike Zimmer said what he said about, you know, the fact of the matter is guys who were starting last year at cornerbacks at cornerback probably should have been playing special teams. Mm-hmm. Like that's Cam Dantzler fell down the depth chart this year, and that's – you know, I think a product of just not being ready. He was forced to do. I mean, he had a good, he had good moments last year. He dealt with some injuries, but like second half of the season was one of the highest rated rookie yeah. corners. I mean, all rookie corners it's, struggle. The game slowed like, down, yeah. but still, like you said, it's, it's, going one on one against Devontae Adams week one. Yeah, I mean, what, what did you expect? Like, I mean, they love showing that highlight, but like, what <laughs> what, what did you expect? Like, there was. But I, I, I will say, like as far as like the starters that they have on defense, no, we didn't see Patrick Peterson or Harrison Smith play in the preseason. I'm fine with that. I think that that, you know, the offense was a question mark, so you wanted to see how it looked. But defensively with those guys, you know what you're getting. And the amount of roster turnover Mm -hmm. that they had, because they kind of went through this, like they tried to force this soft rebuild through the last year in 2020, um, where it was kind of like, well, we're going to try to take a step forward and win, but we're also have so much roster turnover and we have to get these young guys ready to play. But then they refocus this offseason where they go sign Dalvin Tomlinson and and you know you're getting Michael Pierce back. You you get Daniil Hunter back. The whole Um, defensive line is going to be... Yeah, it's going to be a lot. It's all new starters across the board. Um, You know, In the secondary, too, you have three new starting cornerbacks. Um, You have a new starting safety next to Harrison Smith. It's a lot of change. And that's... You know, I think that's what they're banking on. That change among their starters is going to be what the defense needs to, you know, just look like itself again. But again, I am, I would be worried just about the depth that they have among defensive players. Like they've, we've got it. Like outside of the defensive line, which I mean, you have Sheldon Richardson as your backup three tack. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, and Everson Griffin is a, you know, a yep. rotational, situational guy on third down defensive line. Like that's all great. But like, great. I would be worried about cornerback. Um, just with some of the unproven players that mm. they have behind the starters, but like they, they again, they should be like thanking their lucky stars that they signed Patrick Peterson, guys who are but, capable of playing, and, and they have a lot of experience to boot, you know, to boast too. 
Okay, so speaking of D-line, I got a fun question for you. Are you more confident in your Spanish or DJ Wanham having a breakout year this oh year? Oh my gosh, my my Spanish is not good. I have a, you know I have a, you know I have a degree in Spanish. <laughs> I had no idea. Really? I do. I do. How do you know I spoke Spanish? <sighs> Come on, I, I, I'm I minored media. in Italian. Okay, I, I minored uh, in Italian, so I'm I'm right there. With I have it. a I have a, I have two degrees. I have a journalism degree and a Spanish degree. Wow, so I, that was your that was a, a double major, like literally yeah. a major, not yeah. even a minor. And wow. I can't speak it because my thing was I went into college with I think 27 credits because I took a lot of AP oh classes my, in, in high one school. Semester? 27 credits total <laughs> oh, going into college. So gotcha. technically, if I wanted to, like, if I was actually like a good student, I probably could have graduated like early. Why okay. would I have done that? Um, <laughs> you have to have fun. But those, those <laughs> I had I I was so close to a minor already in Spanish when I went in because I was, yep. I started doing like P, like uh, you know, our PTA department when like second grade put us like I mean, we would do like morning Man. Spanish before school Jeez. and my mom was a Spanish teacher and so um, and you can't speak Spanish anymore like there's a okay. reason for it so like I went in with all these credits and I'm like okay I'll just get a I'll get a major in it why not it looks great on a resume maybe I'll go cover baseball um, but <laughs> I wanted to in the fall I wanted to cover football and in the spring I wanted to cover men's basketball I didn't have time to go abroad so, like, my ability to speak it, I lost out significantly. Again, my own doing, I think it turned out okay um, with the choice that I made to stay and cover sports. Yeah. Um, but I can read it really okay. well. But I cannot, like, if you put me on the spot to speak it right now, <laughs> wow. I, will, I will walk out of this room. Well, because, so yes, I'm more confident in DJ okay. Wanham than my Spanish speaking ability. Back to the original question. <laughs> I was about to say, well, now you have the opportunity to cover DJ Wanham, who yeah. is looking like he's going to be the starting mm-hmm. defensive end opposite of Daniel Hunter. And a guy not many people have talked to or talked about this offseason. And you got to think he has got to be primed for. Well, I would say you got to think he has a lot on a chip on his shoulder, especially coming off a year of last year. Mm-hmm. No, I think he definitely has the edge over Stephen Weatherly, and there's more that you can do with Stephen Weatherly, like putting him inside. And yeah, I know Andre Patterson has said all of them can play their inside-outside rushers, and that's kind of why they cross-train some guys, um, you know, on the interior because they yep. utilize different packages yeah. where you're going to not have everybody rushing from the same spot. That's smart. But DJ Wanham, at least like to my like. You know, from my vantage point, has kind of the last couple weeks of training camp broken ahead of Stephen Weatherly, and that's why I do think at the end of the day he will end up being that starter opposite Hunter come Cincinnati. But they've got really good depth at that position. That's like yeah, if you, even if you wanted to, to like use a rotation, go by committee, which teams always say they're yeah. going to do, but like they never actually do. Um, you at least would have the option to do it. And I do Perfect. think there's certainly here, like passive, obvious passing situations, Everson Griffin's going to be on the field. Right. And like, he, he clearly has a lot left in the tank. You saw it there, the sack in Kansas City. And granted, yeah, yeah. yes, I understand it was not against the start, it wasn't against Patrick Mahomes right. and like the starting offensive line, but that's a really good spot to be in. If you're the Vikings, considering how how little they pressured the quarterback last year, yeah, that's a yep. good position to be in. the The defensive line position is the one position on defense where it's so interchangeable. Guys mm-hmm. are coming in first down, second down, third down. So uh, he might be starting, but that's not to say he's going to get the most snaps. Yeah, but he exactly. will be in there. Mm-hmm. No, I think, and and they've done that in the past, mostly interior guys, where you might have a you know a starter, and it typically happens because of like playing the run versus playing the pass, where a starter will play forty percent. 
yeah. of snaps. I mean, and Mike Zimmer it. loves the group sack. He loves rotating guys. That's what he call. It. He always calls it a team sack. Let's yeah. see, he doesn't call it an individual sack. But um, my last question for you, Courtney. We sit here about what nine or ten days from the first game. Yeah. Whenever this thing gets published, yeah. but what do you think? The Vikings are going to finish out record-wise, seventeen game season. I'm I'm putting you You're on, putting the, me on the spot. We're on here in the studio. Team produce podcast. Yeah. Right? I don't really <laughs> think I'm going to have the best answer right we're now. We're here in the studio for the first time in a long time. If, if I'm there's putting, anything under under seven and ten, we're not. <laughs> I think seven and ten is honestly a good floor. I do. Um, um, ceiling right now, I don't know. I don't think it's ten wins anymore. I really don't. I think. Wow. I think offensively. And I know it was the preseason, and a lot of people think that we overreact to the preseason. There was an element that was missing there. They just it didn't look like last year's group. And, I mean, last year's group overcame a lot. They had to pull they the did. entire defense yeah. along with them, and they had to pull along special teams for giving them horrendous starting field position yeah. every time. So, yeah. like, I, I think that... I just I'm not confident that the offense I'm not I, I I'm not saying I'm like overly concerned sound the fire alarm but like you're not thinking fourth the best offense in the NFL again I no I'm not okay and I don't think that they're I think you need to score you need to be better than 11th in points okay. to make the playoffs and to be a consistently good team if you're you know and they're going to be leaning heavily on the defense to get this team back to the postseason this year I would be comfortable right now saying. I mean, I don't have the option for 500 anymore, <laughs> so I would be comfortable saying eight and nine. That's and my. Nine. And this is the first time actually I've made a prediction since training camp started. Like I remember doing a podcast probably middle of July, and a lot of that was based on the late free agent additions that you have. And I include Daniil Hunter in that mix too because we didn't know at the time yeah. that the schedule was released in May. Is he coming here? Is he going to play? Yeah. Like, is he going to hold out? Like, what what that was? And he had Sheldon Richardson. What was your prediction? Breland. What was your prediction back then? Back then, it was before Daniil. 15 and 2. And it was, <laughs> we didn't know Aaron Rodgers was going to be in the yes. NFC yes. North. So I think it Big was. Factor. Um, Huge. I think I was either, I want to say I was like 9 and 8 at that point. I think I went 9 and 8, 10 and 7. Like, at, because I did one at the schedule release date, at the, uh, before training camp started. And then now, and that was thinking Christian Darisaw was going to play, thinking that you might, you know, get good play from Wyatt Davis, other yeah. things like that, a lot of factors. Yep. Uh, I think you're going to have Irv Smith. So now, at the end of training camp, I will, I'm, I'm going to go with eight and nine. Mm. We have Courtney Cronin's end of training camp prediction. prediction. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's ask, not a great prediction. It's not go. a great <laughs> prediction. I'm sure a lot of people aren't going to like that, but like, I think just seeing, I have a, I have a lot of questions about the offense on yep. this team. So, you lose Herb Smith, you lose about 25% of your offense. That's really tough um, of yeah. what you at least projected it to be this year. Like, I think that's that puts more of a burden on or, you know, more of a responsibility on Adam Thielen in the red zone. Like, yeah. that was Kirk Cousins' favorite target down there last year. It looked like the tight end position was actually going to be a big factor yeah, like stronger, inside, stronger inside the 10 again, yeah. like it was all those years with Kyle Rudolph here. But... What does that look like now? I mean, I think Thielen leads, leads the team in receiving yards, or excuse me, receiving touchdowns again. I don't really care how yards pan out one way or the other, but like leads the team in receiving touchdowns. They're going to ride Dalvin Cook again. We knew that. I mean, he's had a really quiet, he hasn't been like the storyline this offseason. Yeah. He hasn't um, played. He hasn't played, and he's got his contract, so everything's yeah. fine. But like they're going to, I think, put a really heavy 
emphasis on the run because yeah. without Irv Smith and without, you know, do we know like D.D. D. D. Westbrook? Like, how is that going to pan out with like, the three receiver sets? I mean, you still have two really good receiver. I mean, excellent, elite receivers and Justin it? Jefferson yep. and Adam Thielen, yeah. and that and they're going to get theirs this year. I really think that, but um, just I, I just have some questions. Just seeing how they looked in the in the preseason and even beyond that. I always say as these people like want to say we put too much weight on preseason games. We're out at practice every single day, and we mm. saw how the offense looked kind of up and down. Uh, for a yep. majority of August, right. so until they can prove me wrong on that, I would go and say eight and nine. Eight and nine. Eight and nine. Eight and nine. Well, you said seven and ten is our floor. I think seven ten is the floor. And you said ten and seven is probably our ceiling, just based off your conversation. Yeah. And I think ten wins gets you a wild card spot. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave on a good <laughs> note. So that's a 10-4 on this podcast. Ben Lieber says 11-6. and six. Yeah. When yeah. did he say that? that might earlier, have been, yeah. Earlier, might have been, probably uh, June. Yeah, I would yeah. say. I would call him right now. It was on this very show. That, we might like, have to pull it. <laughs> yeah, we, should, we need to start putting in like sound clips from Ben Lieber because he has some hot takes. <laughs> very hot takes. 11-6. and six, My goodness. I mean, that was a June prediction, though. That so was, that's totally fair, I, get I it. think. Like, that's, was that, it was pre-training camp, right? Yeah, I mean, they were wearing padded helmets at that time. They're not actually like doing anything. Football, like, we'll ask him know, again. Give you yeah. an idea of that. <laughs> yeah. so. Get him, get him, get him riled up, and he'll he'll be fine. But mm. Courtney, always a pleasure talking to yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for having Glad me. Glad it's finally in person. Me too. Um, moving forward, we got to do more of these. Got a long season ahead of mm-hmm. us, so best of luck going forward. I'm sure Vikings fans and everyone can follow your work at ESPN.com mm-hmm. or at Courtney R. Cronin on Twitter. Uh, Vikings fans, do a favor, give her a follow. Do us a favor and go to Vikings.com and check out the most up-to-date coverage of the team. For Chris Corso and Courtney Cronin, my name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi.